Hey guys, welcome to Rihanna's Lens, where I interact with you about the components in the STEM field and introduce you to fascinating people who passionately inhabit the scientific and technical frontiers of our society. My name is Rihanna Malhotra, and I'm absolutely elated to share this podcast with all of you. On this episode, I'm joined by a guest who's currently studying a master's degree in software engineering at the University of Southern Denmark. She's a member of the IT national team that strives for a diverse workforce in the technological industry. I'm so glad to welcome and introduce Sophie Madsen. Thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to begin our discussion. Thank you, Rihanna, for having me. So I'm so thrilled to get into this conversation. But first, I just want to ask you, um, what is what exactly is it that inspired you to get into software engineering? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it was uh, actually not that easy for me um, because I thought, well, there are so many things that interest me, right? Uh, my parents are working in the finance sector, so I thought maybe that's interesting. Maybe I could um, work in sales. Um, or yeah, maybe even study uh, chemistry. But uh, then I, I was thinking, okay, okay, I want to do something where I can work as a team. So I have people I can interact with, but I also want to learn something that is technical. Um, and that's how I stumbled upon the engineering part. Um, I was visiting a university in Denmark, the Danish Te- uh, Technological University. And I saw that they had such cool um, group projects and every semester, and it just seemed like a really social um, study. But um, yeah, then the software part, how did that uh, come to be? And I think it was because I, I read a paper about, you know, you know, when you're choosing what to study, you're always thinking, this is not easy, but I saw a flyer that said, think about what you like when you were smaller or a child. And I, I remember sitting in front of the TV uh, or, or in front of the computer often and, and, and thinking, how does this work? Why, why am I seeing what I'm seeing? Or, or for example, we had a guy who was helping us set up the, um, the computers at home. And um, I was always asking him, why are you updating the software? And then he was saying, you have to update the software to ensure that you have no safety holes and no one is going to hack you. And I was like, okay, okay, makes sense. <laughs> and I think that was my first um, entry um, to, to software. But um, yeah, I'm not a big gamer. I've played hours and hours of Sims building houses. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, not, not Counter-Strike or anything like uh, some of my fellow classmates. Um, and yeah, I, I think another part is that I was always really intrigued by that software is everywhere, er, everywhere around us, right? You have a speaker you can talk to and say, hey, Siri, play the latest pop music. And uh, you have your Instagram feed that is um, decided by an algorithm. And you have, of course, apps in, in all aspects and uh, websites, but also in Denmark, we are really digital um, country. So everything that has to do with you as a citizen um, has to be online as well. And all of that requires infrastructure, right? So now during the COVID pandemic, we had to uh, book tests, uh, we had to book vaccines, and all of that was um, an infrastructure that it reco- uh, should be able to to uh, have almost 5 million people log in and order a vaccine at the same time. Um, yeah, so so I think that's also what what keeps me going, right? That it 
it's the part where I can really, I can really make an impact, hopefully, <laughs> um, because it affects so many aspects of our lives. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now technology is basically everything. Like you yeah. mentioned before that every single, even getting a vaccine, you have to check it online. <clears throat> oh, there are just so many multiple th- things that even a Zoom call, it has so many software and so much coding behind it that we're not even aware of. So there's just so much around us. And like you said, um, getting into a field or just choosing your career in the start, like I'm in the same boat right now. So I'm supposed to apply to universities like in a couple of months now. And I'm still in the same boat thinking about uh, which universities to go to and everything. But um, yeah, I could completely relate to you when you were confused about should I go to uh, should I go to the chemistry side of finance? It's just a whole ride getting into a field and that being your step forward. But I think something in technology, especially engineering, like you mentioned, that is I think perfect for now, especially coding, because um, that is basically the future whether it be robots or just any, just an app, we need to know how to code and just anything. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I think that it's very important. It's basically a life skill, right? If you can code, then then you'll be fine. <laughs> Hopefully. I, <absolutely. laughs> Hopefully <yeah. laughs> I just hope it doesn't actually become a life skill in the future that robots, you know how in the movies they show that robots just turn against humans. I really hope it's not like that in the future. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, of course, you you think about that when, when you start with the studying software, you're like, do I have to battle the machines at some point? Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think um, the more we get into it, um, of course, it's important that we design consciously, right? That we are always aware of what impact will our design have. And also what impacts would we maybe not intend, but they may happen um, still. So we need to be aware of that at all times. But I also think that uh, machine learning is quite a buzzword. <laughs> so of course, behind the scenes, we still have algorithms that people design. But um, it's also nice to be on the developing side of things because even though the algorithm is a black box, for example, with neural networks, you give it some input and some weights and stuff. And then on the other side, you get an output, but you're not entirely sure how it got there, right? But but being the developer or being the, the designer behind it, you still have a little bit more insight than the normal population. So you can choose more consciously what what uh, products will I use? What products will I be a part of developing? That's yeah. That's just an interesting thought. Yeah, I just hope like I don't think anytime soon um, robots will take over because, like you said, that humans are so important behind the algorithm and just basically we're we're the source of the machine learning. So okay. we we are the ones that are coding into the. Um, robot or just any machine in general so I don't think that will happen anytime soon but um, yeah I think we're very much still in control (laughs) yeah I feel that way as well but of course it's always important right that we are aware of ours of our impact on the software for example when you talk about um, big data machine learning you also think about the bias that the data has 
we need to be aware of that or the bias that the developer has. And it's maybe not, not a bad bias, but we're just different. Everyone is different. And I think that's one of the reasons why we should be more women or just a more diverse workforce. And I know, especially in Denmark, the, uh, the, the proportion of uh, males and females in the development industry is quite skewed. Um, but uh, the more diverse our development team is, I think the better our products will be because we can then way better target the diverse population that we have that our users are, right? It's just important. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And also, Sophie, um, there is there's so many fields that involve coding and machine learning, like um, software engineering, which you're doing, then computer engineering, and there's also computer science. So what's the difference between these three? It's a really good question. And I think it's also depending on the context. Um, if I just start with um, my, my education, basically, compared to the computer science education, at least the way it is in, in my city, then um, the way we think about it is that software engineering is uh, looking at the software, maybe from a higher point of view, we, we look at the organization it has to fit into. We look at our teams, how they collaborate, how they work together. We look at the processes, which process should we choose to develop our product from start to finish, and, but still uh, taking into account how good are my developers, how many developers do I even have, how critical is my software. Um, so I'm, when I say critical, I mean, does it impact human lives, for example? And I need to be more precautious than if it's an app for social media, for example. Um, so that must be taken into account as well. And then there are different, we call them software lifecycle models. So you can choose different ways of designing it. You can either choose an iterative model where you always develop a little prototype and then you give it a few more features and a few more features until it's the finished product. And that's really good because you can really early get some in, uh, information from your users, maybe from your stakeholders that could be investors or other interested people. And so they can come and say, well, I thought uh, you were doing something different, please adjust this. So you avoid being, I don't know, two years into development and handing over a final product. And then they're like, but we, we, we wanted something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we like to do an incremental model. So when you yeah always build on top, but of course that also has uh, the downside that you start coding before you know exactly what the user wants. That also means you have spent some time coding some code which will basically be thrown away at a later point in time. But yeah, the the upside is still that you can get more um, valuable feedback from from your users and stakeholders, and it can also be really hard to plan from the beginning. So let's say two years ahead, um, and know all obstacles. You, you probably won't know them at the beginning. And there might be an update that come that's coming to some part of software you thought you were gonna use and somehow it's not compatible anymore or some other obstacles. So um, so yeah, we as software engineers choose these life cycles based on all these parameters. And then we can also look at the architecture of the software. This is a little bit vague word maybe, but if you look at a house that's built, for example, you often start out saying what, and the requirements, how many rooms do we have? How many bathrooms do we have? And then you draw out the blueprint and you calculate the measurements and everything. So you have the blueprint before you start building. And it's kind of the same thing we do with software. 
we look at the requirements for the software. So we have to take into account which features it should have, of course, but also how many users should it be able to handle at one time? And how much uptime do we need? So basically how much downtime can we allow? Um, and if it's um, a commerce platform, it, it will cost a lot of money if it's down for several days. And um, I, I don't know if you remember, but at some point, um, I think two years ago, something Facebook was down for like a day or something, yeah. or a few hours only. And it was really, really expensive in advertising money. Um, so of course you don't want um, very much downtime there. So you have, have to take these parameters into account and then you build the software and you look at how many, let's say, I'm just thinking about how to formulate this. Um, basically you can have a software running on one computer at one place and then you have it running on another computer as well. So if the one computer is out of power or there's a fire in that data center, you still have the other one. And you can do that with many, many thousands of servers. And that's something you have to calculate as well and um, just decide on. And that's what software engineers also do. Um, yeah, that was a little bit broad. Of course, we also code, we also build it, um, learn how to code, um, but we can also do all of these other things. And as a computer scientist, you, at least in Odense in Denmark, where I study, you get really, really detailed knowledge of the algorithms and run times of the algorithms. You're basically closer to the mathematics of coding um, than you are to the, let's say, practical real world. And that's really, really important because we need super brainy people who like to figure out what is the smartest algorithm to use in this situation to allow high, um, basically high numbers of, of uh, items to go through this algorithm. Um, and yeah, they also solve concurrency problems, for example. So if you have two things running at the same time, how do I avoid that they get stuck in a point where they are basically using the same resource and then no one is progressing further. Um, yeah, that's also what they do. Um, yeah, I'm not a computer and a scientist, so I don't want to uh, basically take over their domain, but I feel like they are really, really um, smart people that work at the lower details of the, of the computer and the algorithms. And we are a little bit more higher up in the perspective as, yeah, basically small helicopters flying over a software project. Um, but yeah, I, they, they learn to code as well. So that part we have in common and we also have some courses with them, basic algorithms and data structures and stuff like that. So there's some, some overlap in the, in the Venn diagram. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you like to solve algorithms and if you like to solve problems and, and think very, very logically, I think you will be an amazing computer scientist. But if you are more people person, maybe, you want to uh, look at the bigger picture or you want to talk to users about what they need and how uh, they need it and uh, when they need it. And I think software engineering is a really nice way to go. I think on the other hand, you also have to think about that if you have coding skills, if you have software skills, you can always build on top. You can always go in one direction and get more. If you're a scientist, you also go have uh, learn the learn the skills that we have i think there's a lot of opportunities after education to still keep learning and we are in a world that's changing so quickly that no matter what you'll still need to update your skills in some way or in one way or another so i i don't think you are locked in one position 
No, I, I think uh, the explanation that you gave, the differentiation, I think that was so um, like elaborate and was, I understood it completely. Like, oh, nice. I, I, <laughs> I'm glad to hear I absolutely got the difference between a computer scientist and a software engineer. So uh, software engineers, they, they work on the uh, how to ease the accessibility towards the users, like um, to avoid the same error occurring again. So do they work more on like computers and devices or apps or is there any other field that you can delve into? Mm, they definitely work on, on those things which are user facing, but but they also work behind the scenes. I think if you um, if you look at medical systems, for example, or yeah, you know, record systems that are more hidden, of course, software engineers are needed there as well to ensure that the architecture can can handle the load that is required. Or um, yeah, so I, I think we can be user focused, but we are also uh, we also nerdy on the back end side of things. <laughs> so yeah, definitely that as well. Uh, robots are also an option. Um, we can uh, we can work uh, with those and create software for them and also look at how they how they communicate with the outside world and stuff so yeah i think there are so many so many paths you can uh, dive into if you want right yeah definitely but also it not only includes working in like the app area or the computer field but also medical imaging, like you said, or the robotic area. So the thing about engineering is that you can delve into so many different places. Uh, yeah. Even if you take software engineering, you can work on coding, like you work on coding necessarily, but you can also work on the hardware aspect of things like robotics, like you mentioned, or uh, a computer engineer can do a bit of software engineering tasks. So you can just go anywhere with engineering. That's what I love about it the most, that all you need to be is creative and logical, and you can be very comfortable in any engineering field. Like, no, engineering is one of the hardest, but uh, you just need to work hard and push through, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I, I totally agree with what you're saying, that you can go into so many different domains. I also, I, one of the reasons I also chose engineering is because you can actually be a part of change in many different domains. You can go into the energy sector if you want to improve um, something there. You can also, uh, yeah, you can still work in chemistry if you want. You can create software for laboratories or um, you can create software for hospitals, for kids. You know, you can go in so many directions with those engineering skills. That's, that's really, really nice. And um, yeah, I totally agree. That's also a, a really nice energy between engineering uh, studies, at least at my university, because we share we share so much. Even though we have different interests, we're still really uh, cooperative people who love to do teamwork, who are problem solvers, right? So if we get some problem, we're like, I just love figuring out how that works. <laughs> how can I solve this? And then, uh, yeah, we, we might take different approaches depending on where we come from, but but um, yeah, problem solvers down to the bone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, was there something you wish you knew before getting into an engineering field? Um, I think one of the reasons um, why we have to go out and say, hey, I'm a girl, I can study software engineering and that's all right, is because there are a lot of people that think you have to be very good at coding before you start. 
And in, at our university, that's really not the case. I had not seen one line of code before I started. <laughs> um, so I um, yeah, I think I would have just wished that there were more people that said, hey, you can do this. If you want it, you'll, you'll learn everything you need. Really, you, don't, you only need the interest and curiosity, and then you'll get as far as you want. Um, yeah, that's definitely what I would say to anyone out there who's considering studying something with coding or computers, software engineering, um, computer science, um, just, just, just do it. You can learn everything. There's always one guy or girl on YouTube who can help you out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, don't worry. It'll be fine. <laughs> right, definitely. And I think encouragement is the most important factor that's required, uh, especially for the younger generations nowadays. Um, in order to develop more diversity and more people from different cultures, more women in engineering or STEM fields in general, I think encouragement and more pushing people forward to these fields and educating them about it. It's so essential. And um, like you like you said that you work in the, you're part of the IT national team that focuses on having more women in the uh, technological areas. So can you explain a bit more about that and what is your role there? Yeah, for sure. And um, we are 14 girls uh, from Denmark who um, have some, um, education or job in the IT industry and the funny thing is that we have very different backgrounds some of us are computer scientists some are engineers uh, software engineers and some have studied, studied something with web and communication or they love to do their own uh, websites um, in their free time um, and I think that um, what's really nice about this is that we know we, we meet each other and we see that we have different educations, but we share this love for technology. We share this interest in, I want to build something for, for users out there for the world. Maybe some do because they want to change the world. Some do because they just want to improve the experience for some uh, users um, out there. And, and what we try to do is that we meet high school students all over the country. We have held several events where we invite them in and then we just do cool stuff with technology. At one event, we met up at the, it's called TV2. It's a Danish broadcasting company that has a streaming service and a news website. And they talked about how they have built their streaming service, for example, and the streaming service has so much software include, involved. So it can handle uh, these viewers and, and, and present the, the, the stream um, at a relevant time where you're not, you're not thinking about, wow, this, this is lacking. Um, and then on the other hand, yeah, they have their news um, their website, which is currently um, moderated by, by, um, by people. Um, all, only people are deciding this, this uh, news should be the headline and then when this below and this below. But he was thinking, can we, can we include algorithms? Can we use algorithms to change the front page of this news site? And what we were then doing was sending two of our girls to solve the case and present a prototype to the high school kids so they could download it on their own phones and see how quickly you can go from an idea or a problem to a real solution which they had could hold in their own hands on their own phones. And, and then we discussed with them the, the, the thing or the, the, the case, basically. 
And one of the things that we talked about was, of course, you can set an algorithm to choose what people would like to click on the most, but that would also result in really skewed news. And probably also if they're personalized, probably also very small bubbles of information. So you only see what you would like to see, but you're not, you're not really uh, educated on what else is happening in the world. If you're only interested in football, you're not get any information about what is the election like in your in your country you know you won't be you won't be getting the whole picture and that's of course some of the problems we also see on social media that you can be in your own little bubble of fake news at, the, at some point and and we want to avoid that so we don't want an algorithm just deciding on how quickly people are clicking because we're just ending up in clickbait articles that will may not be really deep and may not educate the public very well um, so yeah, the solution the girls came up with was based on, um, yeah, in, uh, basically input from from people at the um, the news station, and then some was based on an algorithm, and some was based on your own personal preference. So I would say I love technology. I want to know a lot about technology, <laughs> and that would be one part of my news foreign page. Some was uh, would be by be decided by people, and some would be based on an algorithm saying what is a person like Sophie most likely to click on. Um, and yeah, the goal with this event was basically just to to share interest and, and see if the high school girls and boys, we had not decided on, you know, separating them. We just wanted all high school students to come and see what software can be used for, what IT can be used for and how you can be a part of the change, you know. So we as software engineers could be a part of a solution. And then, yeah, I, I hope that we... We made some of them think that uh, IT is awesome and they <laughs> want to study it. Um, I actually had one quite funny experience because one of the girls that was there, I talked to her in the break and not on the team, but one of the high school students, she said to me and my girlfriend, Amelia, she said to us, you don't know, you don't look like people who study software engineering. <laughs> and of course, we were laughing because I had a stereotype myself before I started and of course, we're, we're breaking that stereotype, but that's exactly what we want, right? We want to give her an image of that a software engineer can be something different. Um, and it could be her if she wanted to. So when, she, when we left, she said she would, um, she would go to an open house experience and um, yeah, see the engineering um, faculty for herself. So I, I hope we changed um, one person's opinion and, and that's just... Yeah, that's just one experience, but I hope we get so many more of those. Um, so yeah, that was a really long <laughs> explanation, but uh, that's basically what we're trying to do at several events. We also had uh, another event at a robotics fair where we invited high school students in so they could just walk around and look at all the robotics companies' presentations. Um, they, uh, we have a huge robotics hub in Odense in Denmark, and a lot of the companies there were presenting their things and and I think the students just were just mesmerized by how many different applications there are uh, for robots. Um, so it's not just a robot that we think in of our head in our head. When when we say ro robot, we often think um, some kind of person-like um, robot. But but in reality, they're just automating a lot of processes and saving a lot of people's um, yeah basically labor, so they can do more interesting things than screwing in screws or something like that. Yeah, I think all of this is fantastic. It's not just 
one person that you're impacting i think you're impacting a lot of people by this um program like even if you impact just one person imagine she goes to her friends and tells them oh i went to do this today and it was so interesting i met this person that didn't really fit the stereotypes but look even she's part of engineering so i think telling one person something and if it, if it impacts them a lot i think that would be passed on to more people and even if it's just one person it just helps a lot as well so i think <laughs> yeah. it's fantastic what you're doing oh, thank you so much <laughs> thank you so much it's a lot of fun i love meeting people and yeah i love to have these conversations also with you and you asking why 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 did you choose what is the difference i, I just love sharing right because if i can just help help you choose your education and help you get a bigger picture of what options are out there then it has been a good day on the job <laughs> yeah absolutely and that's exactly why it's important for media to show that um it's not just the stereotypical people that are um in this field it's not just a man with a lab coat or a man working in front of a computer like that's usually when you type engineer those are the pictures that come on your screen but yeah. i think we have to break that stereotype we need more women coming forward or people from diverse cultures coming forward and saying that no i can be part of the scale too and it's not just them and yeah. um uh, there was another person that come on my podcast earlier and they were the only like in a, in the university there was the only hungarian person from that background so that inspired so many other hungarian girls to be part of this field so yeah. i think just motivating one person that helps so many people forward or ahead of you so um, it's just amazing and i really admire what you're doing oh thank you so much <laughs> it's so nice so um, what are your plans after your education like i know you're doing a masters right now what are your plans after that oh that's a good question there are so <laughs> many options um let me just take a second i think if i was just looking um very close up ahead i think i want to um, ex- expand my knowledge i want to get my hands dirty with some coding with some different technologies i want to be better at doing apps i want to be better at front end development um i would also like to play around with some infrastructure which was uh, yeah where you put your 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 work your work basically um i would also like to maybe get some experience with um being a team lead for example so helping uh, facilitate the knowledge of others and helping facilitate a team to perform its best um i i think it could be very interesting to to help other people do their best and and do what what i can do to give them the best um options um but then if i look out uh, on the horizon <laughs> I would uh, love to be able to use my skills in software engineering to make an impact on climate change. I would love to see if we can somehow uh, optimize some things um so maybe we can save some energy in in areas where a lot is used at the, t- at the moment. Maybe we can make um electric cars better so we can um, yeah, you know ensure that we can burn less fossil fuels and you know there's so many options um maybe we could do something I actually did a project in school where I came up with an idea with my group to make an app that was um presenting 
uh, recipes for people that was that were uh, more climate friendly. So we did some new calculations on how far do the vegetables have to be transported from where you are to where they are. Yeah, sorry, from where they're grown to where you are. And um, yeah, of course, mostly plant-based recipes, but some that still give the people enough nutrients, um, such as all the essential amino acids. And yeah, just, you know, it's just so interesting because that's not my domain, right? I would need experts in, uh, in, in um, what's it called, nutrition. But I could do the app side of things and maybe then together we could build something that could help more people choose um, more climate-friendly um, food in the future. So we can all have a more nice planet to live on. That's just my goal. <laughs> yeah, just solve that, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are really great plans for the future. And I wish you the best. I hope you accomplish whatever you strive for. And uh, for all <laughs> you your efforts. <laughs> Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I had such an amazing time talking to you and getting to know more about software engineering. And um, hopefully this inspires more women to get into this field. And I hope you inspired more of them to join software engineering. Thank um, you so much. And thanks for having me. It has really been nice to talk to you and good luck on your journey. Yeah, thank you so much. And to let all of you know, this podcast is now available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, and all your other listening platforms. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for more. Thank you so much, Sophie. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.